Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. Hope everyone's doing well this morning, and uh, we are grateful and thankful to have you with us at Glenlock Baptist Church. Um, I'm going to be hitting several different areas as we begin this morning, um, so bear with me. But I would first like to just uh, say happy birthday to Pastor Neil Aubrey, and uh, we're thankful for him. And we have a gift. But we are, we're, we're thankful for, um, for Neil and just the love that he shows us and the way that he glorifies Christ with his life. So uh, we're thankful that we get to celebrate you today. Um, just to continue with some announcements, um, just a, a little bit of a schedule update. There won't be any services here tonight or Wednesday night. Um, we're going to take those two nights off, um, but we'll get back on our normal kind of schedule the following Sunday. Um, there is a dinner for the quote-unquote, because I don't want to get in trouble, young adult Sunday school class, okay? So if you don't fall into that category, doesn't mean you're not young, just, just, you're just not in that class, okay? So um, that is Friday, July 8th, this coming Friday at 6 o'clock at James and Abby Hughes' house. Um, so if you have any questions about that, if you're not in that Sunday school class, but you're 18 to 30, and you'd like to get involved in that ministry, that's an open invitation to you. So see uh, James or Abby or also Sarah Beth, and uh, they can point you in the right direction for all the details on that. That's this Friday. And then next Sunday, there's a uh, wedding shower for Gavin and Ellie. Uh, at 1 o'clock, all women are invited. So guys, stay home. Women, you're invited to that, um, that wedding shower for Gavin and Ellie next Sunday. Also next Sunday, we're having a swim party for our students um, at uh, the Sanders home. So if you have any questions about that, 6th to 12th graders, that's next Sunday night at 10. I mean at 10. Next Sunday night, the 10th at 6 um, at the Sanders house. Um, there is a calendar in the back that has some of this other stuff on there, um, nursing home singing and all those things. But I do want to mention that on July 17th, which is two Sundays from now, we're going to have a Glenlock family picnic. So we want everyone in the church to come and, and to join us. It's going to be at 6 o'clock here at the church. We're going to have water slides, okay, for the kids. We're going to have um, a meal provided by the church. And um, we're going to have a homemade ice cream contest. So if you would like to enter the homemade ice cream contest, pick your favorite flavor that you do the best. Bring a gallon of that, okay. I'll eat. And... Uh, Somebody will judge, all right? So, but um, that is, that's all happening July 17th. So we would love for you to be a part of that. We just want to get our church family together and just celebrate one another, um, fellowship together, have a, have a good evening together. So keep that on your calendars. And like I said, all of this is on that calendar that, that's in the back. Um, so as we kind of move out of announcements, um, I want to really quickly give you all a little bit of an update on the last three weeks. I know that you all specifically know we've prayed the last three weeks for certain missions that we've done in terms of our kids and our students. And uh, so Neil asked if I would just provide some details on kind of the, what the last three weeks look like. So um, first off, we had VBS, and um, I'm going to give you all some numbers and some amounts and all that kind of stuff. Ultimately, I want you to know that those things are not what's most important. 
Uh, what's most important is that God worked and moved and that he's faithful and that our students were fed and uh, that they, they got to know a greater understanding of the beauty of Christ and the beauty of his church. Okay? But I am going to give you the numbers because I wanted you to know, you know, a lot of you donated, a lot of you gave your time and your money to these things. So I want you to kind of know what that went towards. So VBS, we had about 75 to 80 people on campus each night. Everyone was fed a meal that night, uh, all four nights. And um, we had a lot of kids who learned that they are created by Christ, that they're designed for a purpose, that God's given them their ho- the Holy Spirit to empower them to live that out. And so they all heard the truth of, of the gospel those four nights. And so also we raised over $600 for Camp Rockridge at VBS this year. So overall, we are so thankful for the week that we had that week. Then the following week was student camp. So we went to Laguna Beach. Uh, We took 100 people to Laguna Beach overall between the four churches that went. 35 people from Glenlock went um, to the beach. And um, at camp this year, from overall, there was three, three salvations. So three students came to know Christ for the first time as their Lord and Savior. And we were also able to to raise over $500 for Bible translation. So somewhere, Bibles are being translated into languages who don't have a Bible. And we were were able to to give them 13 verses um, to to translate. So that's another miracle that, that, that God did through camps this year. And then this past week, many of us same people were at Rock Ridge for Kids Camp. Um, there was 80 kids from the Carrollton Baptist Association that were there, 15 leaders. Uh, we had nine people from Glenlock who were there between the students and the leaders. And at, at Camp Rockridge, there were six salvations this week. Um, so if you're ever wondering, you know, where all your time and effort and money are going, ultimately they're going to the glory of Christ. And they're going to the building of his kingdom. So we just want you to know that we th- we're thankful for you. Um, but ultimately we're thankful to God for his faithfulness to us and to continue to build his kingdom through our church. So, Jeff, if you come and lead us um, in our call to worship. Good morning. All right, so I'm going to be reading out of Psalms, uh, the second Psalm, Psalms 2. If, if your Bible's like mine, it says, The reign of the Lord's anointed. When Neil asked me to read this yesterday, I said, Have you ever noticed 1 and 2 doesn't have an author to it? So Neil said, Yeah, hey, you know, that's right. Well, I got to looking last night. If you read Acts 4.25, Acts 4.25 says David wrote it. So we're going to chalk up another good, good Psalm to David. So if you got your Bibles, follow along with me if you'd like. Why are the nations in an uproar and the people devising a vain thing? Now, that's not a question. This is David saying, why are y'all doing this stuff? Uh, the kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Let us tear their feathers apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury. But as for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell the decree of the Lord. He said to me, Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. 
Ask of me and I will surely give the nations of Zion inheritance and the very ends of the earth as thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron. Thou shalt shatter them like earthenware. Now therefore, O king, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. So there you have it, folks. The world's a messed up place. And why is it? I think it's because we're running from God rather than running to God. And we're going to, I think, I think what we're seeing now is, is that God's saying do whatever you want to do. But what I, the one verse I liked out there was it said, but he sits in heaven and he laughs. I know he's laughed at me a lot. If I look back at my life, I'm thinking, oh, I stayed too long at the bar. Now I'm laying on the bathroom floor and saying, God, make me feel better. He probably laughed. He said, you know what? You just promised me you weren't going to do it next week. You want me to make you feel, you're going to be there next week, I know you. So God, everything we try to do that goes against God, he's got a plan for it. He, he, he's still in control, and that, that's the one thing that we all have to remember. Uh, something else I thought about is when we pray, do we really realize who we're praying to? If you're really unsure of that, and... The Holy Spirit showed me this. Go back and read Job 38 and 39. God pretty much sets it out. Hey, I am who I am. And poor Job, even though God hits him with chapters 38 and 39, asking him, hey, answer me these questions. You know, Job says, I'm sorry. I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. But you know what? God hits him again. You know, and that, that's who we need to remember. Uh, the God who we serve, who... Nothing can stand before him. Nothing is ever going to stand before him. And that's, that's who we're here to worship. That's who we're supposed to take out in the community. So I challenge you to do that. Let the world know who the real God is. It's nothing, nothing around us. He's the almighty God. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, and I think everybody in this room knows where we're supposed to go, but you sacrificed your son for us. And Lord, I don't know where the rain comes from. Uh, I don't, all the things that you asked Job, I can't answer them. Uh, but uh, I know one thing you asked, you asked Job, do you have an arm like God? I don't. But I just thank you and praise you that because you loved us so much, you put your son on the cross for us and jesus i thank you for the work that you did on the cross not only the pain and the suffering and humiliation but you took the wrath of god and i thank you for that I just thank you for everything that you've done for me everything you've done for this church and all the christians in the world and we need forgiveness lord we need you to heal this nation and Make them understand us. Stop running from you and run to you. We just thank you and praise you. Ask you to be over this service today and allow the Holy Spirit to speak through Neil. Uh, and let us take the message home with us. I can't thank you enough. I just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen, church. Let's stand up and worship our King this morning.
great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Of peace, 
what fears are still when striving cease by comfort of God in helpless faith, this gift of love and righteousness was scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross and Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me. God, we thank you that you are our cornerstone. Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Lord, that you, you came to this earth, this broken earth. You lived a sinless life and you died for our sins. Lord, for people who are so broken and in need of you, God, we are so grateful. Lord, we pray that you will make us more like you through, through the remainder of this service as we continue to hear your word. Lord, be with us and speak to our hearts. Make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. Amen. Hey, thank you, Trey Bradley. It's good to have our friend Trey Bradley back. Amen. As the children leave for Children's Church, thank you, volunteers, for that. Let's turn to Luke 19. Uh, Trey had been with us many times years before. Uh, he's in town yesterday for Catherine's wedding. Catherine and Russ Moody uh, got off 
well, and they had a, uh, a wonderful, beautiful wedding of which you see some of, the, some of the remains, I guess. She texted me and said, thank you, everyone, for all that you've done, the love that you've shown to, uh, to me and Russ. I want to thank Trey Bradley for leading us this morning in worship and singing. What a wonderful song that outlines the gospel for us in a very uh, clear and powerful way. Hey, I want to thank our church for the birthday gift. I don't know what it is, haven't opened it yet, but uh, what a blessing you all are to me. Olivia Hanley also has a birthday today, but she's several years younger, so let's give it up for Miss Olivia, all right? Uh, Pastor Sam Walcott, if you remember him, he has a birthday uh, today and, and, and many others. It is, it is great to be alive. Is it not what a wonderful gift life is? Uh, but what a greater gift it is to know eternal life and Christ and the gospel. So I'm blessed to be your pastor and your preacher this morning. Luke 19 is where we are. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there. Last Sunday, we told again the story of Zacchaeus. What a beautiful story. How a life was changed, radically changed by the love of Jesus. And Zacchaeus, as a sinner and a little man, God gave him not what he deserved, but what he needed. And we see a life radically changed. The, the reason I want us to think about Zacchaeus and what happened in his life is that the parable Jesus tells this morning is connected to what happened with Zacchaeus. So as I studied and as I preach and as you listen, let's think about what Jesus says today in this passage in light of what happened with Zacchaeus' life because Zacchaeus was a life radically changed by the gospel and he went from one kingdom to another he went from the kingdom of self and greed and sin and lostness and was transferred to the better kingdom of God and he became we saw last week he became a very a very generous person and he became a confident person and he became a just person he became a child of God. So with that as our context and with Zacchaeus' life as a, as a real flesh and blood example of what the grace of Jesus can do in a life as he seeks and saves the lost, let's look at verse 11 of Luke 19, if you find it there with me. And while they were listening to these things, that's our connecting point to the story of Zacchaeus, while they were listening to Jesus... And Zacchaeus talk about this radical kingdom that he was now becoming a part of. Uh, it says he went on to tell a parable. So Jesus uses this as a teaching moment. As he always did. Continuing to grow them and disciple them. Because he was near Jerusalem. And they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. This whole book has been taking us toward Jerusalem. And so yet again, they've got their sights and their eyes and their senses on, on now, on the immediate. Hey, let's take over now. Let's solve all this now. 
Jesus, we want you to, to rule our country and we want you to rule our area now in the immediate. That's what they were thinking. The disciples were thinking this. So he said, therefore, in verse 12, a certain nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself, and then he returned. And he called ten of his slaves, ten of his servants, and he gave them ten minas, ten pounds, some of your versions say. And he said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him. And they sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. We do not want this man to be our king. So when it came about that when he returned, after receiving the kingdom, and that's an important point, because they could think of instances in their real life where people went to receive a kingdom and came back empty-handed. Jesus goes to receive a kingdom and he receives his kingdom in fullness and in total authority. So when he returns in verse 15, he ordered these slaves and he says to them uh, to whom he had given the money, he calls them to himself in order that he might know what business had they done. What business had they done? Learned in business school that the number one question for your organization is, what business are we in? The second most important question is, how is business? <laughs> All right. He gave us this. He calls them to account. How has business been? How have you been doing with what I entrusted to you? So then the first one in verse 16 comes up and he says, Master, your mina has made Ten minus more. That's good investing. That's multiplication. So he says to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, be in authority over ten cities. The second came and said, Your mina master has made five minas. Man, that's good too, right? Multiplication. So he said to him also in verse 19, and you are to be over five cities. Then another came and said, Master, behold, your mina, which I kept, put away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you. You're an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down. You reap what you did not sow. And he, the master, said to him, By your own words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down, reaping what I did not sow? Then why did you not put the money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. He said to the bystanders, Take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has the ten. The ten minas. And they said to him, Master... He has ten minas already. 
And he says, I tell you that to everyone who has shall more be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. And after he had said these things, he was going on ahead, ascending to Jerusalem. Father, we are so grateful for life and the word, our relationship with you, all that you have given, Lord. Everything has come down from above, every good and perfect gift. Oh, Lord, we're blessed this morning to just be able to gather and to hear your word. I pray that we would preach it and listen in such a way that we would apply, apply it in our, in our personal walk with you, in our daily living among others. And that we would love you and serve you as the one true authoritative king, sovereign over all. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. Luke chapter 19 verse 11 says that Jesus was near Jerusalem. Luke chapter 19 verse 28 says he was ascending to Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is the important destination of where Christ is going. And that's what leads those in the crowd to think or to assume, man, the kingdom of God and of heaven is coming now. Now last Sunday... After church, last Sunday afternoon, I got a call from my friend and fellow pastor, Kurt Richeson. Yeah, Kurt. Did somebody say Kurt? Was that you, Trey? Okay. Trey knows Kurt. Kurt says, Neil, you're not going to believe what I dreamed about you last night. I'm thinking, uh-oh. He says, just wanted to call and make sure you're okay. I says, man, what did you dream? He says, you'll never believe where I dreamed you became pastor. He said, just guess. He says, you'll never believe it. He says, I, I dreamed that you, had, you were going to preach in view of a call at, 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 in another city. He says, but the city is not in this country. And I said, wow. And so I guess, First Baptist Paris, France. <laughs> he said, no. He said, better than that. And we were just joking and kind of going back and forth. He says, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. <laughs> I said, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem? Is there even such a thing? And so we laughed about that. But he said, the main thing I couldn't get through my, my, my head in my dream was, how in the world did you talk Miss Tracy into moving to Jerusalem? <laughs> Could you imagine... First Baptist Church of Jerusalem. He looked it up. There is such a thing, and it's like a little house church. It's not at all what you might would imagine the First Baptist of Church, First Baptist Church of Jerusalem might look like. But as we as we laughed about that and thought about that, I thought to myself, what a significant call that would be. Now listen, I'm not going anywhere, okay? But Jerusalem is so significant in the history from which God has revealed himself in the Bible. And, and, and they knew that. They knew the significance of Jerusalem because the Old Testament prophets had spoken so clearly about it and the, the prophecies about the Messiah and his rule and his reign and the temple 
and the new heaven and the new... All, everything. Jerusalem was such a responsible, central part of the story. That's one reason why it was so funny to me and Kirk. Who could fulfill the responsibility of pastoring a church in Jerusalem? Anyway, that's just kind of a intro there to grab your interest but isn't it interesting that Jerusalem is so significant even still today and a lot of the wars and the fighting and the conflicts that take place it was the same in Jesus' day so I want us to think this morning in, in, in kind of broad terms about the kingdoms that are in conflict uh, in our world and in our existence, and even in our own hearts. There is a larger battle that's taking place supernaturally. It, it begins really before Genesis, but in Genesis chapter 1, we get a sense of what's at stake as Satan tempts Adam and Eve, and Satan's there in the garden waging war against God and against his kingdom and against his people. You see it in what Jeff read in Psalm 2, why are the people raging and why do the kings say we do not want this man to rule over us? You can read it in the book of Revelation where the dragon wages war against the woman and her child against Israel. This whole Bible is really a story of two kingdoms and, and, and two cities going to war with one another. And you and I have to come to grips with the fact that this, this kingdom conflict also takes place within our own heart and life. And every single one of us has a kingdom inside of us. And I want us to ask the question today, who rules my life? Who reigns over my life? Who is in charge of me? And the thoughts and the emotions and the behaviors. So I just want to mark out for us today three Three principles, three truths that I think identify those who are servants of the one true king. What do they do this different? What's different about us, the church? What's different about us as Christians? What became different about Zacchaeus, whose life was totally changed? As we think about these kingdoms being in conflict, good versus evil, Light versus darkness, God versus self, two kingdoms built on two totally different loves. I want us to mark just a few words, okay? Number one, surrender to his rule. Surrender. Total and absolute surrender to the rule of God and of Christ in our lives is an absolute necessity if you and I are going to hear well done good and faithful servant I think what Jesus is telling us as we read this is how to live in the meantime because verse 12 is a really concise summary of the gospel and I think really of the whole Bible Verse 12 is amazing. I really would like to land on verse 12 and work through verse 12 and just spend all of our time there because there's so much here in verse 12. A certain nobleman, that's Jesus. 
this one of noble birth. Look at verse 12. He goes to a distant country. He leaves home. He leaves glory. And he comes down to us. The world. Speak of a, 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 a foreign country, a distant country to, to our perfect and glorious and beautiful Christ. He leaves home. He goes to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself. That's the mission and the work of Jesus. He did and is receiving a kingdom unto himself. And then he returns gloriously having received that kingdom from his heavenly father and having won that kingdom and purchased that kingdom and done that kingdom work. So verse 12 tells me that Jesus is the king. And he's done something to receive unto himself a kingdom. He left glory. He came to earth, this distant country, even descending into death, a really distant country, going outside the gates, beyond the pale, and then returning in glory. He received that kingdom. I think that's a beautiful statement of the gospel and what God has done for us in Christ. Any of you parents who have Life 360, you're familiar with the notifications that you sometimes get on your phone. And so once Jake, my 17-year-old, became a driver, I would get notifications. Jake left home. And then I would get the notification that I really enjoyed getting, Jake arrived at home. <laughs> and those are two brief reference points that to me as a father are crucial and very important. Jake has left home, Jake has returned home. Verse 12, Jesus left home, Jesus returned home. Well, what happened between those two points? Jake, what did you do while you were gone? Fortunately, you'd get notifications all along the way of what happens between those two reference points. This whole Bible is about God comes down to us, God receives a kingdom, and God goes back to glory and takes us with him. Now, there's a lot that takes place in the midst of that narrative. But verse 12, what a story. A nobleman comes to receive a kingdom unto himself. But not everyone is pleased with his rule, are they? Now you want another sum summary verse? Look at verse 14. By nature we hate the king. By nature all of us are hostile to God and his authority. Verse 14 describes what takes place today in the streets of social media and our culture. People raging against God, people angry with God. Have you ever wondered to yourself, why is it that all of us are born with this natural enmity of God? And why is it that sometimes such rage reaches the, the, the breaking point where you and I don't know if we can even stand it anymore. Where does this come from? Verse 14. 
We do not want this man to reign over us. That speaks to people's rejection of the king. People's animosity toward the king. And you and I have to recognize where that comes from. And in our lost state, it's within us. And we look outside at the world and it's in them. And we begin to say to ourselves, what's happening? Where is this coming from? Jesus is telling us where this comes from. It comes from the supernatural conflict that has been taking place and going on since time began. So I could post examples this week of things, very profane things that were said about the Bible, about God, about the church. But the language is so strong that you would fire me. You would fire me if I put pictures of things that are being said in today's culture about God, the church, the Bible, and people like me and you who love and believe in Jesus Christ. We do not want this man to reign over us. Why? Look at verse 14. His citizens hated him. And so they sent a delegation after him saying, we, we don't want this man to reign over us. But his kingdom is absolute. He is successful in purchasing and receiving and being given the authority that God the Father has given him. So on the other hand, besides those who are angry and hateful and raging against God, there are those of us like Zacchaeus who needed God's grace and a miracle work in our lives to transfer from one kingdom to the other to come to the point where we love and serve him. So that's why I'm labeling this first point. We are those who have surrendered to his rule. So verse 13 gives us this picture of a different, different group of people, his, his servants. So do we see ourselves first and foremost as servants of Christ? Totally surrendered to his rule, to his word, where everything that we are and everything that we have, like Zacchaeus, we then begin to give out of generosity or give out of justice in order to, to glorify Jesus, reflect Jesus, and do his work. There are two kingdoms. The, the, the ultimate king, the authoritative king, is Jesus and his word. And so now I'm asking us, are we one of those servants who he calls into himself and gives his resources to, but before we talk about our resources and our stewardship, we've got to be absolutely surrendered, waving the white flag, and under his rule and under his reign and not ourselves. And this is something that takes place daily in all of us. You take Galatians chapter 5, which talks about the two kingdoms and how those two kingdoms are in conflict with, within our hearts and lives. And if I flip over there, Paul talks to the Galatians about this and how to surrender daily to the, to the work of Christ and, and the role of the Holy Spirit in total surrender in our lives. And he, he puts it like this. You're called to freedom. You're called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Transferred from the kingdom of self to the kingdom of Christ. Here's my role. Here's my, here's my essence that I'm going to now live for Christ and other people. And through love to serve other people. The whole law 
is fulfilled in one word. I'm submitting myself to his word and his law and his rule. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care lest you be consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit. Let his Spirit rule your mind and your heart. You'll not carry out the desire of the flesh. The flesh, oh, what a mess. It sets its desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. These are in opposition to one another. Tough surrender to Christ for salvation, but there's this daily walk, this daily battle that still takes place, and there's opposition within so that, you're not, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. For which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But there's life under a better rule and master. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ and are under His rule have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another, envying one another, and on and on and on. He's just outlining for us as individuals how this kingdom conflict takes place within our own heart and life. And we walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit in a daily surrender to Christ as our King, Christ as our ruler, Christ as our master. Are we totally surrendered? Trusting fully in Him to work and move in us for His glory? Or do we fight against the goads? not really wanting to be fully submissive. We do not want to be like the citizens in verse 14 who hate him and do not want his rule and reign over us. All of us by nature have issues with authority. I read a story one time, changing gears here to a degree. Uh, some of you may have heard of John Wooden, the great UCLA coach. One of the greatest college coaches who's ever lived. He had a lot of rules. He had some really strict rules, and he enforced those with his players. But he won championship after championship after championship with his teams at UCLA. One particular player he had really good named Bill Walton. Have you heard that name, Bill Walton? I'm kind of dating us. Bill Walton was an All-American. He says, Coach, I'm not cutting my hair. I think, she, I think your rules are restrictive. I think they're too much. I think they're overbearing. Coach Wooden says, Bill, you really believe that? He says, yeah, I really believe that. He says, then I, should, I believe you should stick by those principles. Then he says to Bill, he says, Bill, it's been nice having you on our team. <laughs> uh, Bill Walton cut his hair. <laughs> he stayed. And they say that after that, every week, he would call Coach Wooden out of love and respect. All of us have issues with authority. All of us have issues not being our own God, not 
setting our own hours, setting our own pace. All of us, to a degree, are like the book of Judges. We want to determine what's right and wrong for us and do what, what we want to do and, and, and be king over ourselves. But here comes Christ with absolute authority, absolute rule and reign, and you and I are called to put him first in everything and trust him to do the work. Something good that happened to me this week, we talked a little bit last Sunday about Roe v. Wade and the effect that it's had on our culture and on our churches. I went Tuesday morning to the Pregnancy Resource Center in Carrollton. And we walked through the Bible as they asked me to come and do a devotion telling the overarching story of you know, kingdoms in conflict, Christ and where Christ would be in issues like this and then we prayed and we just prayed that Christ would work and move that morning in the Pregnancy Resource Center. I got a text later Tuesday afternoon that I want to share with you that I thought was really good news. And we were all burdened and we were broken and we were praying that God would work and move and Tuesday afternoon after doing that devotion I got a text that says, Hi Neil, this is Kelly. I wanted to let you know that we just had a mommy rededicate her life to Christ and choose life for her baby. Thank you, for, thank you for helping us start our day with Jesus. Thank you for helping us start our day with Jesus. I, I think that's where every day needs to start. No matter what the issue, no matter what the conflict, start your day, your life, under his authority and his rule, leaning not on yourself, trusting not on your, yourself, but trusting in Christ and his word to do the work in us and through us. I don't want to belabor this. i got much more to, to say. But this parable proves that Jesus is king, and there are those on one side who hate the king and rage against the king. Then there are those on the other side who surrender to the king and seek him first and trust and obey him through every storm, through every difficult, just surrendering their life, their soul, their all to him. Now the second part of this is that not only do we surrender to his rule, but we steward his resources. We steward his resources. My life is not my own. My gifts and talents are not my own. Everything about me, we, from, from birth on July the 3rd, 1970, Okay, where we are born into the world thinking that it all revolves around us. It takes, our, it takes your whole life okay, to get you out of yourself and serving and living for all of your resources, your smarts, your skills, your gifts, your talents, all those things belong to him. They are to be given to him, to reflect him and honor him and glorify him. We're so selfish thinking that these things are ours to be used at our own disposal for our name or our glory. Anyway, on and on and on. But I think what Jesus is talking about here is stewardship of the gospel. There are other parables that talk about talents and resources. This is about the gospel. Because all ten got one special thing. You line up ten servants, he gave each servant one special thing. And to me, the greatest treasure of all, the stewardship that you and I are to prize and value and preach and adorn and live more than anything else is not necessarily our gifts and our talents and our abilities and our resources, but ultimately the gospel. It's the good news. 
So I want to drive home the point that you and I are to steward the gospel well. And I haven't always done a good job of that. And I, and I want us to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that's in us and make, make this about the gospel, about this story of this king who comes down to receive a kingdom and returns. I think about when I was in high school and our coach would force us to do these donut sales for fundraising. Krispy Kreme donuts. Did any of y'all ever have to do that? And he'd give us X number of boxes to sell to raise money for the baseball team. And I had a truckload of boxes. We went down to Walmart and LaGrange, and every person that came in and every person that came out, I saw as a customer, please. <laughs> These donuts are really good. They're piping hot. No, they're not right out of the oven, but they're almost that good. Every person was an opportunity. Because we had been entrusted with these to give away for the benefit of the team and of ourselves. And we had to answer to our coach. We weren't supposed to come back to him with any boxes left over. The other day I was going through McDonald's. And I know you're thinking, he eats there a lot, doesn't he? I know, and uh, we're having a conversation about our order, and, and she's there in the window ready for me to pay her, and uh, she misunderstands something that I'm saying, and she says to me, oh, you got good news? She thought I said, I have good news. She says, you got good news? I said, uh, well, no, not really. She says, did you win the lottery? <laughs> I'm thinking, if I won the lottery, I don't know that I'd be at McDonald's right now. Jake's to my right, Bennett's in the back. And then I thought, you do have good news. And so I turned to, to her and I said, I do have good news. And I pulled out one of the gospel tracts that we have and I handed it to her. And I said, Christ loves you. Jesus loves you. When's the last time you made the most of every opportunity that you have and I have to be good stewards of the gospel we need to surrender our life and everything to Him. But then we need to steward our resources well. And, and we're going to be held accountable. He calls them all. We're to multiply. We're to make disciples. Read this parable and study it well. And, and then you'll get a sense of, of, of what we are to be doing between the advents and in the tension where He's already come and He's already ascended. He's going to come again and we're going to be held accountable. How do we live in the meantime? How do we live with the delay we're to surrender and put Him first in everything. We're to be good stewards of the gospel, sharing the good news through our personalities and our gifts and our lives and all that we have, making the most of every opportunity. But the last thing I want to say is what really marks us out as different is that we have salvation from His retribution. I don't want to miss verse, what is it? I'm on the wrong page. 27. Well, we've got to take God seriously. We've got to remember that He is holy. There is judgment coming. They wanted all this to take place in Jerusalem now, but something first had to happen. Christ had to come down and die. That's why He's going to Jerusalem. This is why Neil's not becoming pastor at Jerusalem, but Jesus, Jesus did go to Jerusalem. Why is He heading to Jerusalem? Because God is just and God is holy. He's creator. He's Lord. 
All of us have violated His law. By nature, we deserve His wrath. All of us, like Zacchaeus, have made a complete mess of our lives. We've not been surrendered to Him. We've argued and debated and talked back and been rebellious against our Creator and our God, and He sent His Son to die for us. Rather than be good stewards, we have wasted time and opportunity again and again. All of us, like Zacchaeus, we've, we've made a mess of things. Why is He going to Jerusalem? Because He, the King, comes down, and He is the perfect Surrender. Where you and I fall short in our ability to surrender, Jesus perfectly does that. Not my will, but your will be done. Father, into my hands I commit your spirit. He was the perfect steward of everything at his disposal. Laying down his life as a guilt offering so that you and I could be saved from verse 27. Saved from the retribution and the, the vengeance and, and the wrath of God that his enemies have earned and merited. That you and I have earned and merited. Look at verse 27. Bring them here and slay them in my presence. That is, a, that is an extremely strong verse. But it is a necessary verse. Because Jesus was slain and torn to bits for us and then we, out of pride and arrogance and the desire to run our own life and world, are not going to respond to that with need and humility and faith and service. And we surrender to his rule and we steward his resources because he saved us from retribution with the beautiful gift of the gospel in his life. That's what happened with Zacchaeus. And that's what can happen with you and me. So at youth camp the other Friday, we were all loading up, kind of getting ready to leave, and something happened. There were two guys near the kitchen, and they volunteered to take out the garbage. And they were two of our youngest campers. That garbage can was just overflowing with trash. Almost everything from breakfast from those hundred kids and adults was packed into that garbage can and, and I looked over there I was at a table pretty close by the, these two young guys were struggling with this, with this bag that was stuffed in one of those big gray cans and, and, and sure enough you guess it the bag, bag began to tear and, and, and as they lifted it up those two, the garbage went everywhere it was a complete and total mess and most of the camp ah yeah and someone remarks, instead of y'all laughing in judgment, why don't, why don't some of you help? <laughs> and so some people start scurrying to clean up the mess. And it reminded me of a story I read recently by a pastor named Sinclair Ferguson. And I'll close with this. 
Sinclair Ferguson and another pastor were at a wedding reception where the tables and the dining experience and the food and the plates, everything was just immaculate. And the waiters and the waitresses were busy serving. And one young lady had a stack of plates she was carrying back to the kitchen. And before she could get back to the kitchen, she dropped that stack of plates and it made a huge mess on the floor in the middle of this nice big wedding dinner. And Sinclair Ferguson says that he turned to his pastor friend and looks at the mess and he says, somebody ought to help that girl. And his friend said, you mean somebody like you? And Sinclair Ferguson says that at that moment he got down on his knees having been lovingly corrected and started serving to help her clean up the mess. We have all made a huge mess of our lives. Zacchaeus had been a poor steward Zacchaeus had been someone who did not surrender to anybody but himself. But Jesus came to seek and save the lost, and Jesus reached down and helped Zacchaeus and changed his life. And so at the end of that story, we have Zacchaeus saying, Hey, with Jesus standing right there beside him, what can I do to help clean up your mess? Because God had done that in his life. So where do we find ourselves as servants of the king? We must remember that we are servants of the king who has himself served. And as we surrender to his rule, and as we steward his resources, we remember that we have been saved from his retribution and so we do not come alongside others in our culture or our personal lives who have made a mess of themselves and of their situation and we do not stand beside them in judgment but rather we say with our Lord standing beside us who came to seek and save us when we were lost we say in that moment what can I do to help I really think if you want to be salt and light, if you want to be the church of Jesus Christ in today's angry, hostile culture, and people are saying, we do not want this God to reign over us. That in humility, all of us would say, what can I do to help? How can I be a good steward of the gospel in this particular circumstance, in this particular situation. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the opportunities we have every day to serve and to love and give. What a wonderful story. And Lord, I've really not, not done a, a just job explaining it. But I hope we see in here the, the beautiful, authoritative king who's given himself by, by his stripes, Lord, we have been healed. And, and may we each examine ourselves to see how, how am I stewarding 
your life, your resources. This, this life is not our own. You've purchased us with a price. You are receiving a kingdom into yourself. And we praise you, Lord, that we're part of that. That one day this kingdom will come in full consummation. But first in Jerusalem, you had a big mess to clean up. You had a mess to clean up, and that's the, the sin and the, the fallenness and the brokenness of humanity. And you, you became a mess so that we could become beautiful. We have nothing to offer but brokenness and strife, but you make something beautiful of our lives. And just as you did that with Zacchaeus, you, you can do that with us. Thank you for your grace. May we come alongside and help as you've come alongside us to save and to comfort and help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing. He really did pay it all. Amen. It is, it is finished. You come as we sing. And I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small, child of Watch and pray, find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, Just paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, He washed it white as time on the fourth celebrating the freedom we enjoy in this country uh we love y'all thank y'all thank you trey bradley for being with us we'll continue to pray for Catherine and russ as they enjoy their honeymoon anywhere before we close well i guess if y'all want to do that I'll, that'll be okay i want to say it's good to see our buddy and friend norman tripp 
Miss Jill, we love y'all. It's good to see y'all here this morning. Thank you for, for being at Glenlock. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the birthday singing to Miss Lois and Trey. <laughs> All right, because I don't know, did we plan a doxology? Uh, it's the doxology, right? It's the doxology. Why don't, why don't y'all do a brief happy birthday, then close us out with a doxology? Let me... Yeah, so when I met with them Tuesday, th their request really was just to amp up what you're already doing for the Pregnancy Resource Center and those in crisis pregnancies. So Jenny will be our representative and liaison. Um, money, um, supporting of their, uh, the, in fall, their, their fall banquet, which is one of their huge fundraisers, prayer. They encourage us to come by there and take a tour and be, become familiar with what all they offer, uh, what ministries and services they offer those in crisis pregnancy. So Jenny's our liaison, and we appreciate, Jenny, what you're doing on, on that behalf. So, Let's you. sing happy birthday. And happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.